0: Today on the Zabecast, another week and another officiating abomination in the NFL. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Now, the only question is, what can be done about it? Week three is almost a wrap and some big surprises, including the Bills and the Lions. All that plus Tiger Woods was a walking, talking, drive bombing miracle on Sunday. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, September 24, 2018. Thank you for pressing that little triangle. Well, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Oh, I know. If you're a Packer fan, you are not entertained. And not in a good way, in any way, shape, or form. You are pissed off, as a matter of fact. You are infuriated, and you are at wit's end about yet another completely bullshit call That may have cost your team the game, although we'll get into that in just a second. It has reached the level of absolute flabbergasting absurdity in the NFL. Just when you thought hashtag this league could get any more ridiculous, well, here we are. For years and years, I think you and I and everyone who's watched football for their whole life has heard the phrase by some grumpy old man let's put the quarterbacks and skirts out there well we're kind of at that point aren't we what can be do about what can be done about this issue it's like the league is not just doubling down they're tripling down they're pushing all their chips in because they know what what are we gonna do i said this a couple weeks ago I feel both outraged and powerless at the same time. It's a horrible feeling because I really, really, really would love to punish this league somehow. Now, I did return, by the way, a bunch of NFL shop stuff that I had ordered after week one. I said that I had sideline gear FIVA and the only ante- antidote, antidote The only antidote was good old NFLshop.com. When I got the actual pieces out, when I got the... Uh, You know, the soft goods out, the pullovers, the quarter zips, the whatnots, I noticed not quite as good a quality as I have come to expect. Now, this is because I believe Fanatics, which has taken over kind of the manufacturing and distribution arm of the NFL's fast merchandising business, has a little lesser quality shit than some other makers. But that's a story for a different day. So I did return all that NFL stuff. That's number one. Number two, I actually decided that, you know, after the four, one o'clock games were over, I texted my wife, who was coming back from a college fair with my youngest daughter. I said, hey, let's go out to dinner. She was a little bit surprised, because she knows it's NFL Sunday. And she was like, you sure? And I go, yeah. I said, these, these afternoon games, I don't give two shits about them, because I really didn't. I mean, the battle for LA, Rams and Chargers, I liked watching that game for the pretty green grass at the Coliseum and the beautiful weather, which we don't have here in D.C. where it's been raining and it's going to rain some more. Bears and and Cardinals I didn't give two shits about. And the Dallas-Seattle game was like, oh, God, it was like watching paint dry. Not an aesthetically pleasing game. And maybe I did kind of want to stick it to the NFL. I did feel like, even though I'm not wasting a beautiful day, usually these September Sundays I'm mad at myself because I am flushing. Down the toilet, some of the most beautiful weather we're going to get in the D.C. area all year. Well, that wasn't even the case today. It was just a rainy, gloomy day. But I was kind of pissed off, and I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to dinner, I'm going to dinner with the family. Maybe earn some points so I can uh, say, you know, honey, I don't always hunker down in the basement every Sunday for six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours in a row. Remember that time I we went to dinner? Yeah. Ding, count it. It's on the board, right? Let's just begin with a Packer Redskin game. For all my Packer friends listening and Packer subscribers and faithful, you got beat. Okay? Let's first and foremost, you got beat fair and square. We came out. We punched you in the nose. We were better. We were better football team on Sunday. Okay. You can admit that. All right. We deserve to win. Now, did you guys help us out a lot? Oh, yeah. Did the ref did that call on Clay Matthews help us out a lot? Oh, yeah. Was the Adrian Peterson touchdown complete bullshit? Oh, yeah. And should Lance Kendricks be cut today? No, yesterday. No, should he have walked home? Of course. I mean, how do you drop a pass like that? All that said, though, look, we beat you. We were the better team on Sunday. You can admit that. Now, look, Rodgers at better than three quarters capacity and who knows what capacity he is? I, I'm calling him three quarters. He he ran around a lot and ran for four I think he ran for two or three first downs, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know if that's a great idea. But he did it anyway. If Aaron Rodgers is healthy, if you don't commit a zillion penalties, don't drop a bunch of passes, if Rodgers is more accurate, which I think was a you know a byproduct of his not being hundred percent. If replay works correctly, and if the NFL didn't have insane rules, I think it would have been quite a game. Would have been quite a fight. We kind of went into a shell there in the second half. But still, we beat you fair and square. So admit that first and foremost. The defensive tackle pressure that we applied with Deron Payne and John Allen is fucking relentless. That is the most exciting thing as a Redskins fan to watch, and a lot of our young pups in the secondary played really hard. We of course had a Big miscommunication on the Geronimo-Allison touchdown. That was a joke. Don't know if that was uh, you know, DJ Swearinger's fault, which by the way, Chris Cooley, who knew, usually knows these things, said on the Redskins radio broadcast, it was DJ's fault. It looked kind of like Josh Norman's fault because he was the last line of defense, but whatever. But the big story of the game obviously was the play. The play, the play, the play that's going to be talked about. It It, it is just exacerb- exacerbating exacerbating it's exasperating that's the word I'm looking for it's fucking stupid is what it is it really puts it makes you rethink as a fan even if you're not a fan of either team it makes you rethink everything about this league it makes you rethink your relationship to this league it makes me think god if I didn't do this for a living if I didn't have a responsibility to serve sports fans, the NFL, still the most popular league in the country by a wide margin, despite all the bullshit, if I didn't have to do this, how much would I really watch? How much more easily would I say, nah, I'm not going to watch that game. The NFL's stupid. It's full of random rules. By the way, I hate the phrase, by the rule quote-unquote, which has been thrown around a lot. And I believe the NFL's official Game Operations Twitter account made sure after that Clay Matthews call to send out, you know, by the rule, according to Rule 26, Section 1, Subclause 2, by putting most or all his weight on the quarterback. People hate that. When somebody is a by-the-rule guy, the first instinct that you have as a sports fan is to punch him in the face. And then once he's recovered from being punched in the face to kick him in the nuts. What the NFL used to be was a by judgment league, not a by the rule league. You trusted the referees to use their judgment on things that could not be quantified or codified. Personal foul, unnecessary roughness, roughing the quarterback. All that shit used to be sensible judgment calls. Now they're trying to finally write it into the rules. If a defender puts most or all of his weight, how are, first of all, two problems. One, how can you judge most or all of a weight? Number two, how can defenders shift their weight magically off a player when a guy like Clay Matthews comes breaking free and does a perfect form tackle on a quarterback? And number three, um, what was my number third point about this? Well, first of all, okay, so you can't judge how much is most or all of a guy's weight. The defenders can't adjust, and it just is physically impossible. It's the stupidest thing I've seen in all my years of watching the NFL, and it makes you so, so frustrated. And it's, of course, not applied. My third point was it's not applied at all evenly. It can't be. It can't, and it isn't, because in this very game, you had a case in which Darius Payne for the Redskins whipped Rodgers around and slammed his ass straight to the ground. Why was that not called? Well, maybe speaking as a Redskin fan, I could say it was not called because you know Payne grabbed Rodgers from behind, so he had to kind of spin him to tackle him. And then you start talking the basic physics of Deron Payne is 310 pounds if he had a couple biscuits in the morning. Aaron Rodgers is more like 220. Uh, you do the math. But some say, well, what's the difference? And they have a good point. Tyrone Crawford for the Dallas Cowboys was whistled for a similar play that Clay Matthews was on a hit on Russell Wilson. Totally bullshit. Everyone hated it. Even my Seahawks fans said that's ridiculous. Aaron Donald wiped out Phillip Rivers. Not called. You'll see that play at some point during the week. Case Keenum was blasted from behind. By T. Sizzle lost the football, Sizzle landed on him. For the most part, maybe he shied off just a bit. That was not called a penalty. Even worse is that these quarterbacks are making defenders and defenses look foolish. Did you see all the quarterback plays that were made out there? Not just in this particular game with the Redskins and the Packers. Alex Smith tiptoeing the sidelines to go for first downs. He can really run, and he's healthy doing it, so he's a pain to try to cut off from running. Even Aaron Rodgers making plays with his feet. But then you had Carson Wentz dive for a first down in his first game back from his reconstructed knee surgery. Drew Brees scored twice on the ground, including a seven-yard spinorama run and then the game-winning sneak over the top. You had Josh Allen with two scores in this game, one on a Beautiful dive to the end zone, and then another one on a quarterback sneaking, sneak which went sneak in which he went over the top, and that's not even counting the Josh Allen hurdle of Anthony Barr, which is unbelievable. I mean, it is awesome. <laughs> that play is one of the most spectacular pieces of NFL visual pornography that has ever been authored. A fucking quarterback, a quarterback who's six five. And I think a lot of us think of Josh Allen as a bit of a lurch, you know? A bit of a lumbering guy. He's pretty damn athletic. So for him to sell out eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field to run up and hurdle. I mean, hurdle cleanly almost. He got clipped on the back end, but still. It was a classic hurdler's jump. An onrushing linebacker and then land and stumble forward for a first down. That is spectacular stuff. And unfortunately, that's why the league is so popular. Because it's the kind of stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Those that say, oh, come over to baseball. We don't have all these bullshit rules. Yeah, baseball doesn't supply action like that. You know, like uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch says, I'm all about that action, boss. I mean, that is crack cocaine, Josh Allen, hurtling Anthony Barr on a downfield run. But... Think of how patently unfair it is that the quarterbacks are stitching clown suits on defenders, running around making plays, and then, oh, you tackled them in the pocket. That's a penalty. So that interception, that fumble, that incomplete, that fourth down, uh, third down turning into a punt. No, 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 no. Forget that. That's now a first down. And your team is fucked. See, that's what the NFL and the owners need to come around to. And they need to understand is that one of the most viscerally satisfying things about the game of tackle football, comma professional style, is the quarterback sack. Just like Al Davis said, the quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. You're sitting there watching a game, and the other team's quarterback, some pretty boy like Brady or in your case Rogers, is carving the shit out of your team like a thanksgiving turkey and you are getting more and more and more pissed off and then finally so one of your defensive players breaks free and bam bam debacles the quarterback and the blood in your body just it rushes to your head with delight it, it is like an infusion of a drug when that happens It's awesome. And the league is now taking that away from us. They have robbed us of that moment now with this rule. It's just insanity. It's the essence of football. And here's the thing. All these quarterback injuries that have accrued so far, we're three weeks into the year. And look at all the injuries now piling up. Rodgers is on one leg now on a hit that was not a penalty, could never be a penalty. Mariota can barely feel his right hand on a play that was not a penalty, would not be a penalty. Garoppolo got blasted on a stupid, I'm not going to go out of bounds and be a tough guy run, although he did blow out his knee, it looks like, as of early reports on Sunday night. Uh, He blew out his knee on the plant just before going out of bounds. There's no rule that can save you from that. And there's going to be more injuries to come to quarterbacks that cannot be prevented by the rules. And I understand what the NFL is trying to do. They're trying to keep the TV show about quarterbacks full of the quarterbacks you want to watch. But I think the only solution is to try to dial the game back away from its cheap and easy passing scheme that it has become. That's the only solution. And then to take out those protections for quarterbacks. You have to. All this, oh, if he slides feet first, you can't touch him. Fuck that. If he slides and he's running, he can get hit. Can't hit him low. Why not? Can hit anyone else low? That protection's got to go. I'll say you can't hit him in the head. That's fine. But other than that, everything else has got to go. These quarterbacks, if they're going to run around and hurdle guys and dive into the end zone, and stitch clown suits on the defense, they've got to think twice about that. And guess what? If one of them gets hurt doing it, hey, you know what? Hope you got a good backup. This league is woeful when it comes to developing backups. There's just not enough decent, qualified guys that know how to run a team as backups. The Niners now. I mean, their season is basically over. They have C.J. Beathard as their backup quarterback. They're back to where they were before they acquired Garoppolo. They've turned back into a pumpkin. It is a kick to the balls if you are a Niner fan. Oh, by the way, they do have someone else on the team. Uh, who else do they have? I, I wrote this down somewhere. Just it's not going to cheer you up. Oh, they got practice squatter Nick Mullins. Uh huh. Nick Mullins. I have no idea who that is. Don't know who Nick Mullins is. It's the backup to C.J. Beathard, who's now you know one heartbeat away from the Niners' quarterback position. The game has gotten away from being more balanced, run and pass. I was looking at, I just picked some random, not random, I picked interval dates going back starting in 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010. And just out of curiosity, I said, okay, let me see how many 1,000-yard rushers there were on those particular seasons, and let me see how many 3,000-yard passers there were on those particular seasons. Well, starting in 2000, in In 1980 and 1990, it was weird because it didn't quite support my trend line, so I'll forget about those conveniently. There was 8,000-yard rushers in 1980. There was 8,000-yard rushers league-wide in 1990. But in 2000, it was the golden age of running the football. We had 23 1,000-yard rushers in the 2000 NFL season. Since that time, it's gone down to 17.0. 1,000-yard rushers in 2010, and last year there was only nine 1,000-yard rushers. So there's been a steady decline. Meanwhile, look at the 3,000 or more yard passers. In, 19, in 2000, there was only 13. In 2010, there was 22. In 2017, there was still 22. So the 1,000-yard rushers, going back almost 20 years, has gone from 23 to 17 to 9, and the 3,000 or more yard passers have gone from 13 to 22 to 22. That's where the league is. Running the ball is for suckers. A, it's too hard to do it for big gains, and B, look at the protections at quarterback. So teams now are chasing that unicorn quarterback, and they're paying guys the kind of money that you know deep down they're not worth. Kirk Cousins, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, And others, Joe Flacco for sure. But it's the only, it's like the ticket to ride. you got to have a guy that's half decent. Once upon a time, you could get to the Super Bowl, maybe even win it, with a guy who was not considered to be a franchise quarterback. And he didn't account for a huge chunk of your salary cap. I'm talking about guys like Brad Johnson, who won it for Tampa. Jake DeLome, who lost close game to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Jake, uh, Rich Gannon, was not considered a franchise guy. Matt Hasselbeck for the Seahawks, he was their starter, but it wasn't like they said, well, we got Matt Hasselbeck, we're good. We're going to kick everyone's ass. You had a Dilfer versus Collins Super Bowl one year, 2000. Yes, Trent Dilfer with basically only a defense behind him rode his way to the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. Kerry Collins was the loser that game for the Giants. Going further back, you could get, you know, the Redskins switched to Doug Williams mid-season. Mid-season the Redskins did. This used to be the NFL. Quarterbacks were not nearly as important. And they didn't cost as much money as they do now. Of course, we're talking, if you go back to the Doug Williams era, then you're talking no salary cap, so it's harder to compare. I don't know what the league wants to do. I know they want scoring. I know they love fantasy. I know they love passing. I know they want their star players upright. But they are fighting a losing battle, and they're now making it even worse with these penalties that are turning off people left and right because the injuries to the quarterbacks, the stars of their TV show about quarterbacks, are going to keep happening anyway on plays that you cannot whistle, you would not whistle, and there's no way to protect them. As far as what Clay Matthews is going to do, I don't know. One last thought on that play. You know, McCarthy got all pissed off, and rightfully so. He starts charging like a buffalo down the sideline against that poor, old, frumpy-looking side judge or whoever it was. And the side judge is backing up. He's backpedaling like a cornerback. And uh, I'm just watching, by the way. The game has gone final in Detroit. Oops, oh, there we go. 26-10, Lions beat the Patriots, a thorough and dominating beatdown. Josh Gordon did not suit, did not play, And Bill Belichick somehow managed a genuine handshake and hug to his former assistant, Matt Patricia. I'll go through the rest of week three in just a second. One last thought on the call on Matthew. So, obviously McCarthy goes crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, would it be worth it for him to get kicked out of the game? To literally stomp out to the middle of the field, start throwing his headset, throwing his jacket, throwing his clipboard, having a complete and utter meltdown to say, I am going to go crazy. I know I'm going to get kicked out of the game. I know I'm going to get fined. But I'm going to do this for the league. I'm going to make this such a big story, it'll lead the Today Show. Oh, look at this NFL coach. It goes crazy. Why was this coach going so crazy? Because look at this bullshit that they're now calling in the NFL. It would generate enough attention that maybe the NFL would then feel like, hey, this is bad PR. We, you know, we, We're going to find Mike McCarthy, obviously, maybe even suspend him. Although, here's the thing. When was the last head coach in the NFL, you can remember, to get kicked out of a game? I can't. They just don't. They never do. I think in part because it's not part of the game like baseball is. And, of course, there's so many games in baseball, and there's not as many decisions to be made during the game that the manager is not necessarily that important. Basketball, they get kicked out on a semi-regular basis from time to time. But football, I can't remember it. But would it have been worth it for McCarthy to take the fine, to maybe look stupid you know, at the moment by flipping out, but maybe to say, I, I've got to take one for the league. This is unsustainable. This is crazy. Of course, if he had stomped out, I, I don't know how he... Re- the restraint it takes for coaches not to literally punch a referee is it's admirable, because I can understand how you would want to absolutely punch good old Craig R- 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 Rolstad in the face. And of course, what made it even more shameful was the fact that Alberto Riveron, who was AWOL most of the week until he put out a Friday video on the hits the league officiated the week before and left out of his video, any mention on a Friday of the Clay Matthews hit from the previous week. Alberto Riveron called the Fox broadcast booth to tell uh, Catalan and Burkhart, oh, by the way, that was a a good call because uh, by the rule, fuck you, Alberto Riveron, league stooge. And guess what? Dean Blandino, who is now disagreeing with all these calls, Just like Mike Pereira, just like Terry McCauley, they were all league stooges too at one point. Not so much McCauley and and Pereira, but certainly Riveron is the new league stooge, and he will dance to the league's tune, just like Blandino did. And it just is so maddening because the owners, and where is one owner to step out of line and say, we've got to change this? This is a bad look for our product. I disagree with this policy. Give me one owner. One out of 32. In the NBA, at least Mark Cuban, for, you know, for all of his faults. Remind me later in the week to go off on, where's Michelle Beadle about the Mark Cuban thing? Since she was pretty much implying the NFL and football in general, college pro is evil. I'm going to go back to the NBA, the good league. The good league that does everything right. Where Where is Beadle on Mark Cuban? To say this is an outrage, he should be stripped of his team. I can't believe he let this culture go on for so long. Where's Michelle Beadle on the Celtics player who is facing aggravated felony charges of domestic violence? Eh, Whatever. Later in the week. But where's one owner? See, Mark Cuban in the NBA was the one owner who, once he started, you know, once he bought the team and was a couple years in, started to really rail on David Stern and say, "What the fuck is with the refereeing? The refereeing in our league sucks." and he started charting numbers and he started charting crews and he started uncovering certain things with data like hey Steve Javi calls more offensive fouls than any other ref in the league what the hell and of course he got fined a lot for it and he got you know considered he got called a clown a lot for it but guess what he did he actually instituted changes the league eventually had to react to him they did start to track these numbers and they did tidy up, or at least make more consistent their officiating. It was because Mark Cuban stepped out and said, I'll take the fine. This is bullshit. Where's the NFL's Mark Cuban? Where's the one owner to go, hey, this is bad for our product. We have got to fix this now. We are going to lose a generation of fans. Not overnight. You're not going to see it overnight. It's not going to be TV ratings down 40%. There's too many other good things going on, and if it doesn't have if the travesty doesn't happen to your team, you go, oh, that kinda of sucks. But it didn't happen to my team. We won. Woot woot. I'm happy. But it's going to hurt the NFL and it's gonna hurt them bad if they don't figure out a way to go. You know what? We we can't try to buy the rule everything around the league. All right, let's blitz through the NFL game by game. I'll give you some notes and nuggets and do it as efficiently, not quickly, efficiently as I can. All right, let's touch up on the Redskins' win over the Packers. 31-17, your final straight-up upset win. Packers were favored by three. Skins go to 2-1. and one. We go into a bye week, and the Buffalo Bills await the Packers next week as they are 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Like I said, relentless heat on Rodgers, uh, which caused a lot of offensive holding penalties, a lot of defensive back holding penalties. Packers' secondary is a disorganized mess, but you Packer fans know that already. And losing Belaga really hurt. Losing Wilkerson really hurt for the Packers. McCarthy's clock management at the end of the first half was a joke. (laughs) And when the announcers are like, hey, why aren't you calling timeouts here? That's when you know that you are really, really not good at clock management. And I disagree with him not going for it on fourth and four, fourth and five around midfield, just shy of midfield, late in the game. People say, yeah, but they punted and they got the stop, got the ball back. Yeah, but if they had made the stop in three and out, At the 46, the minus 46, you're still, Redskins still out of field goal range, and they still would punt. So I would have gone for it there, but, you know, Mike McCarthy is a uh, very good head coach, very successful head coach, just ask him. Adrian Peterson, holy shit. I mean, the burst and the jump and the gallop, 120 yards, two touchdowns. I don't know. I might have to be eating that pumpkin after all. He's had two great games, one bad game. We'll see what's next. The Giants, of course, can't fall to 0-3 like I wish they would. They beat the Texans 27-22 to as a six-point dog on the road. Looky, looky, Eli Manning was not terrible. 297 yards, two touchdowns. Saquon Barkley had a touchdown. Uh, Beckham, nine catches for a buck nine. Deshaun Watson, 385 yards, two touchdowns, but a pick in the second half, and they turn it over as well in a fumble. The Giants benched Eric Flowers before the game. Their left tackle, right tackle, either way, he has been a total bust for a high draft pick. And they finally said, enough is enough. J.J. Watt had a strip sack first in two years. He had three sacks on the day. It was not enough. Texans fall to 0-3. They're at Indianapolis next week. The Giants host New Orleans. In overtime, Drew Brees lifts the Saints with his legs. Yes. Saints 43, Falcons 37 in overtime. The Saints got the ball on the kick and drove for almost eight minutes. It was looking like if they turn this over or kick a field goal, we could have another tie. Or if they miss a field goal, this could be another tie. Drew Brees did become the all-time completion leader in NFL history, passing Brett Favre, who was retired, I think, at even 6,300 on the nose. Michael Thomas is sick for the New Orleans Saints. Ten more catches $1.29, a buck twenty nine. He now has thirty eight catches in three weeks, and that prorates out to I think one hundred and seventy four catches or something absurd like that, which would of course smash, 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 smash the NFL single season record, which is held by anybody out there, Bueller, Bueller. Uh, that would be Mike. That would be Marvin Harrison, one hundred and forty three in two thousand two. Antonio Brown at a buck thirty six. Just two years ago in 2015. Matt Ryan for the Falcons, five touchdowns, three to Calvin Ridley. It was not enough. Atlanta could not run the ball. Tevin Coleman, just 33 yards on 15 carries. Saints are now two and one, a greasy two and one. They're at the Giants this week. Falcons fall to one and two. They host Cincinnati. In Kansas City, the Pat Mahomes party is going strong. Come on in. Three more touchdowns by Mahomes as the Chiefs. Jump out big against the Niners 38-27 and then hold on for the victory. Chiefs are now three and zero. They cover the six and a half points. I think they've covered every one of their games. San Frans one and two, and we talked about the Garoppolo injury. It's essentially basically the season is over, which kind of sucks. Travis Kelsey, big productive day. Eight for a buck fourteen. Uh the uh basically the um what was I gonna say here? The Chiefs are the third team to score 38 or more points in their first three games since the 2007 Patriots. And the only other team to do so was the 67 Colts. So they are in rarefied air. They were up 35-7 to 7 at one point. Niners had it. They were rallying. They had a 17-play drive, did San Fran, in the fourth. And then Garoppolo decides, I'm not going out of bounds. I'm going to be a baller. Blows out his knee. Season is likely over. By the way, you should hear the quote from Justin Houston of the uh, Chiefs. He's like, look, I hope he's not hurt and everything, but you got to get out of bounds, man. You're the quarterback. What are you doing? He's like, it's just one more inch. Why would you do something like that? Pretty cold, but he's not wrong. So it's C.J. Beathard from here on out. Maybe they'll sign somebody. Hello? Hello, Colin Kaepernick, please? (laughs) You know that's not going to happen, but still, people will talk about it. Other than that, it's practice squatter Nick Mullins. That's all they've got. Chiefs are at Denver Divisional Showdown next week. The Niners host the LA Chargers. Chucky is still winless in silver and black. Raiders fall to Miami 28-20 down in Miami. And who is Jaquim Grant? This kid is a dynamo. 5 foot 7, wearing number 19 from Texas Tech third-year guy scored two touchdowns, including what looked like an innocent little flip that he turned into a 74-yard catch-and-run. Plus, Albert Wilson threw him a touchdown on a trick play. Miami was out-possessed in this game by 17 minutes. They had a ton of penalties as well. Ryan Tannehill just had two short shovel passes for touchdowns, but the Raiders have now blown second-half leads in all three games so far this year. The 0-3 Raiders host Cleveland. The 3-0 Dolphins are at New England. In Minnesota, the Buffalo Bills, with a stunner of the day, 16.5-point dogs, they ripped the Minnesota Vikings 27-6. It's the biggest NFL upset by a big dog in decades. I forgot what the actual day was, but it's the last 16-point underdog to win since 1995. And that would be December 3rd. It was my Redskins over Dallas. That was the one... Win that year, I think, my Redskins had. Or was it vice versa? Whatever. 1995, last time a 16-point dog won outright, and the Bills demolished the Vikings. Uh, Someone said, jokingly, hey, maybe Vontae Davis should just come back next week or or show up in the locker room on on Monday like nothing happened. Like Costanza. What? Quit. (laughs) (laughs) No, retire. I meant retire for a week. Yeah, we're winning. Josh Allen was an absolute dynamo. Running, throwing, you name it. Uh, Kirk Cousins had a bad day. Yes, he did. Ooh, yes, he did. Had three strip sack fumbles, of which I don't know how many are his fault, but you can't fumble, period. Got to feel the pressure, know the pressure, get rid of the ball, or hold on to it. Not good. Bills had been outscored 75-9 to nine, their first six quarters of the year. Since then, the next six quarters, they've outscored their opponents 41-9 to nine themselves. Also, Josh Allen was sacked three times. He fumbled all three times, but guess what? The Bills recovered all three times. I think sometimes recovered fumbles get lost in the wash from those of us who talk about football and amongst fans because, well, they don't appear in the box. I mean, they, they're in the box score, but you don't really notice them. Fumbles are fumbles, and fumbles are random. There, there is nothing about recovering fumbles that is not completely and totally random. Also, the Vikings set a record for the fewest rushes in the game with six, partly because Delvin Cook was out, another part because, well, they were getting their asses kicked. The dumbest part of the game, and this is one of the dumb things from the week, I have a list of dumbass plays by NFL players and by coaches. I see the game at the end, there's like 16 seconds left. Kirk Cousins is still in the game, down 27-6, to 6, rushing to the line of scrimmage to try to run one more play. Dumbest shit ever. This is what coaches do. They think in macho terms. They think in superstitious terms and cliched terms. I'm a tough coach. I'm going to keep Cousins in there till the very end. Well, okay. You better hope he doesn't blow a knee out like Garoppolo. Then you'd be like, oh, why do we have him in there? Pretty stupid. Bills improve to one and two. They're at Green Bay next Sunday. The Vikings have a quick turnaround Thursday night. Get on a plane uh, at the L.A. Rams at 1-1-1. and In Philly, Carson Wentz got the homecoming he deserved and the welcome back he deserved, and he also got the win, but not by a whole lot. 20-16, to your final. Eagles win, but they do not cover. Wentz, 25 of 37. One touchdown pass, one interception. 255 yards. He was sacked five times. He ran around pretty good. Looked like he felt pretty comfortable on that knee. Andrew Luck, meanwhile, threw it 40 times for just a buck 64. Not very efficient. Did have one TD passing. Colts could not run at all. In fact, Luck was their leading rusher with 33 carries. The Eagles got good running from Smallwood and Clement with a out. They combined for 112 yards between them and a touchdown. Colts did have a first and 10 at the 11. Late in that game with four cracks in the end zone to take the lead, they couldn't do it. They ended up getting the ball back one last time, had one last Hail Mary into the end zone, and couldn't convert that one as well. The Colts fall to one and two. They're home against Houston. The Eagles are two-and-one now. They're at Tennessee. In Carolina, Cam Newton put the cape on and said, Ride me, boys. The Panthers beat the Bengals 31 to 21 behind four Cam Newton touchdowns, two of them running two of them passing. And how about the day for Christian McCaffrey, the Stanford product, 184 yards rushing, that is a new career best, and 14 catches the week before. He is quietly proving out to be a very good first round pick. Panthers totally had uh, 230 yards rushing as a team. Uh, Cam had quite a bit of those. Andy Dalton, four picks on the day. Two of them by rookie Dante Jackson for the Panthers. Giovanni Bernard, only 61 yards. Oh, and A.J. Green left A.J. Green left the game in the third quarter with a groin injury. He got upended going up for a, a, a pass and pretty much landed on his coccyx bone. But they say it's a g- 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 groin injury. The hit in slow motion looked spectacular. Bengals now 2-1. and one. They're at Atlanta next week. The Panthers have a bye week as well. They go into that 2-1. and one. In Jacksonville, classic let down spot for the Jaguars I told you and they certainly did let down not only not covering the spread which I think went off at about 7 or 8 once the line finally got posted but they lost outright 9-6 to to the Tennessee Titans classic Titans Jaguars game 9 to 6 all I think it was all field goals Uh, Titans got three scoring drives from Marcus Mariota who came to the rescue after Blaine Gabbert left the game with a concussion that's another one by the way Oh, well, you know, Tyrod Taylor concussion. Was there a flag for a dangerous hit? No. And I don't think Gabbert was hit with an illegal hit either. Concussions and injuries happen. The NFL has got to understand this. Mariota 12 for 18 only, 100 yards passing, but he ran for 51, and they played mistake-free football. Tennessee might be the grittiest, most disciplined team in the league because they are winning ugly right now. If they can get Mariota back healthy again, Look out. They're 2-1. and one. Tennessee hosts Philadelphia. The Jaguars are 2-1. and one. They host the Jets. Uh, Jaguars missed Fournette in this game. He was out with an injury. They also were without their left tackle and right guard. Uh, they only had 12 first downs. Doug Marone had a fake punt, blow up in his face. Not a good effort by the Jacksonville Jaguars. In Baltimore, Joe Flacco may not be elite, but my golly, he was good enough on Sunday. The Ravens beat the Broncos 27 27- to 14 covering the five-point spread that was i do believe my lock of the week so put it down lock and load von miller was kept in check just two tackles no sacks in this game broncos secondary uh, got hit with a bunch of injuries so they got picked apart ravens made 21st downs they were 50 percent on third down denver had 13 penalties for 120 yards and yes case keenum sucks back-breaking INT late inside the 20 sealed their fate. Denver also blocked a, touchdown, blocked a punt that led to a touchdown early to keep them in this game. Another one of the stupid plays of the game was uh, Matthew Judon, linebacker for the Ravens, number 99, blocking the back on Keenum, just pushed him right in the numbers when he was not going to make a play on that pick, what would have been an 85-yard pick six by Patrick Anwusor. I think I said that right. It's like you watch that play and go, bro, what are you doing? The quarterback's not going to make a play. Just run towards him with your arms at your side. He's like, eh, I'm going to push him right in the back. Flag, the gates, the penalty. So frustrating, I'm sure. And I'm sure Unwusor will have a word with him in the locker room. Broncos are 2-1 and one now. They host Kansas City. Ravens 2-1. and one. They are at Pittsburgh. Battle for L.A. belongs to... Get ready, the better team, the Rams. Uh, They win and they cover as uh, seven-point favorites, 35-23, your final score game that was maybe not as close as that score would indicate. Uh, The Rams raced out to a big lead and held on. Uh, Chargers, let's see, golf 354 yards for the Rams. Gurley 105 on the ground. Goff with a really good game, 29 of 36. Rams did block a punt for a touchdown in rolling up 521 yards. But some injury concerns. Rams did lose Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib to injury. Not sure how bad they are. We'll know more on Monday. Rams didn't punt until seven minutes left. Another dumbass play this week. So you had Derwin James for the Chargers get a pick in the end zone of golf, and he tries to run it out. He gets all the way to the one-yard line. Then the Chargers had to punt from the back of their end zone, had the punt blocked, and it was a touchdown. Dummy. Come on, Derwin James, you're not going 99 yards. You're not going 105 yards for a touchdown. I know every DB thinks that. Just take a knee and take it at the 25-yard line. Uh, Chargers are 1-2 and two now. They host San Francisco. Rams are 3-0, and and they are home against Minnesota on Thursday night. In Arizona, just like it was before, the Bears are who they thought we were. And we let him off the hook. The Arizona Cardinals lose to Chicago 16-14. to And the Sam Bradford era is essentially over. God, does he suck at this point. Uh, Khalil Mack had another strip sack or a strip fumble that helped turn the game around. Bradford had two picks in the second half and that fumble. Then Steve Wilkes said, that's it. I can't look at this asshole anymore. I'm putting Josh Rosen in there. Josh Rosen did some things but then got picked had one more chance, and got picked on fourth and five to end the game, and that was that. Bears forced four turnovers on four straight second-half possessions, and that was the story of the game. Bears win. They don't cover. They go to two and one. They host Tampa Bay, and John Gruden looks even more stupid every single week, and the Cardinals are at 0-3. They host Seattle. As I guess the Josh Rosen era begins, although in predictable fashion, you had – Steve Wilkes saying, well, I don't know who's going to start next week. We'll look at the tape. We'll look at the tape. They never want to go, of course we're not going back to Bradford. He sucks. No chance. And in Seattle, Earl Thomas should miss more practice. How about that? Drama on Fridays, he basically says, Nah, I don't feel like practicing. You know, the team that I wanted you guys to trade me to is coming to town. And I'm pissed off about it. I want a new extension. I want new money. I'm playing out the last year of my deal. And so I'm just not going to practice. Well... Had two picks, including a beauty off his shoestrings, as the Seahawks beat the Cowboys 24 to 13, winning and covering the one and a half point spread. Russell Wilson threw two touchdown passes in this one. Chris Carson got his touches for Seattle. After Pete Carroll said, "Well, he was winded from two special teams plays last week." Carson went over 100 yards. Doug Baldwin yelled at the one of the assistant personnel guys on the sideline. That was showed shown on TV. By Fox, and it was it was pretty good video, and you're like, Wow, what the fuck is wrong with him? Who's he yelling at? Why is he yelling at him? What's going on? And the supposed A team of Buck and Aikman sit there and they they talk about it and they don't mention who it was that he was yelling at. And I can't remember who it was he was yelling at. He was an assistant personnel guy. I did retweet it on my timeline. Go to Twitter, you can dig out the name, but yeah. And of course afterwards he and Baldwin dat knuckles, like, okay, man. But Baldwin was hurt. So what the fuck was he yelling at the personnel guy for? And do you really need to do that on the sideline? Eh, whatever. Dak Prescott sacked five times, had only fifty eight net yards passing, entering the fourth quarter. Zeke fumbled late as well on a big run. Oh, there is misery in Dallas. Dallas is turning to look Dallas is turning out exactly like everyone must have thought. Like, you know what? They are not going to score points this year. No, they're not. They've got no wide receivers that threaten anybody. And Dak Prescott is not as good as we thought after his rookie season. Oh, and I hear Sean Lee got hurt again. Uh, More on that, I'm sure, tomorrow. Dagger. And then lastly, I just mentioned it, the Lions beat the Patriots at home. What do we say about this game? The Patriots were 38-13 historically after a loss, ATS. They are beating the spread in that 38-13 run by a margin of 8 points per game. And didn't Mr. X say in the Friday Football Five Ways Premium Podcast, that's why I'm not touching the Patriots because 80% of the money is on New England? <laughs> well, he was right on that one. Of course, Mr. X also had Virginia Tech over Old Dominion. Oops, not so good. Uh, Lions beat the Patriots 26-10. to 10. And it's going to be tempting now with the Patriots at 1-2. and two. It's going to be tempting to go up. Oh, here it is. Brady was just fourteen of twenty-six for a buck thirty-three. It's going to be tempting. Uh, Sony Michelle only fourteen carries fifty yards. It's going to be tempting to say this is it. Buckle in. You can get your popcorn ready. This is the beginning of the end for the Patriots dynasty. Every time they win or they lose two in a row, which doesn't happen very often, it's get your popcorn ready, right? I'm going to wait just a bit because, you know, there's nothing worse than getting ready all geared up for the Patriots uh, demise and then see them turn it around and figure things out. So, yeah. So there's week three for you. And we've got one more game tonight, which would be Steelers at Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is a one-point favorite. Uh, Ryan Fitzmagic should throw all over the Steelers secondary. But guess what? Taking the home team, that's 2-0. and oh, uh, against a team that's been struggling that is uh, winless so far. They've got to tie, the Steelers do. With an obvious matchup issue, as in hot quarterback, hot receivers against bad secondary. At home, Monday night, it's so tempting. The square play is take Tampa Bay minus one. I will take the Steelers plus the one uh, to close things out on Monday night. All right, let's end on Tiger, and there'll be more golf talk this week as the Ryder Cup is upon us. So Damn you people, this is golf! If you don't like golf, it's going to be a rough week for you because I'm going to talk golf. What Tiger Woods did on Sunday to win the Tour Championship and to almost steal the FedEx Cup and the $10 million that he doesn't really need, even though Elon did take a lot of it, is nothing short of a walking miracle. I mean, it's just... It's amazing. It's stunning. It is flabbergasting. We're talking about a year ago and three months. Memorial Day 2017. He was not playing golf. He was just dripping out simulator videos of nine irons indoors that looked timid at best. And then he crashes his car, gorked out on goofballs, doesn't know where he is, looks like a disheveled mess, That was Memorial Day 2017, so count the months. One, two, three, plus 12. Fifteen months later, he won the tour championship. And don't don't even come at me with short field, everyone else looks disinterested, blah, blah, blah. Fuck that. Tiger Woods was flushing it all week long, and he can putt now. It's like when Happy Gilmore says, "Uh Uh-oh, Happy learned how to putt. Tiger's gone back to that old, familiar putter it's either the exact same scotty cameron that he once had or it's a newer version of it i don't know golf nerd but he's learned how to putt it's an amazing thing and guess what he looked genuinely blown away at the moment and he is a better person i'm not saying he's a good person i don't know him as a person he's a better person though Tiger 2.0 is way better than Tiger 1.0 because Tiger 1.0 was an asshole who took his life and what he could do on a golf course for granted until it was taken away from him or until he threw it away with the injuries and with the scandal and everything else. He treated other pros poorly. He treated the media poorly. He worked in his own orbit and didn't interact with other people in the way that you would hope a champion would and... He's better now for it, and that's great. And it's great for the game of golf. I'm a big tent guy with a game of golf. A lot of people watch that, don't watch any golf. They, they only watch Tiger. And that's fine. Come on into the tent, watch Tiger. While you're here, pick up a club and just waggle it around. And say, God, you know what? I might want to try that sport. It's not a sport. You know, All the cliches about golf are totally wrong. It's the game of a lifetime It's not for dorks. Athletes play it. All these retired athletes, alpha athletes in football and basketball, baseball and hockey, they play golf because it's the game that you can constantly be competitive at and to practice at and to pour yourself into at any age for the rest of your life. And Tiger Woods is cool. He's the fucking coolest. He is the needle. He doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. And to see that crowd marching up with him like the Pied Piper of golf was awesome. Unbelievable. I would have never thought it would have happened. I thought he had a chance to win one more major, one more tournament, which was the Masters, short field, familiar course. Uh, A lot of guys in that field are not competitive because they're past champions or invitees. He won a really strong event. And he played a ton of golf this year, 18 official events. And that's the most he has played since 2012 and is the second most events he's ever played in a single year in his career. He played a shitload of golf. And that back has held up. Which brings me to the last little thing about Tiger. Just the last little thing. I have to keep 5%, 3%, 2%. I got to keep something in reserve to say, be careful. Anything that looks too good to be true. Anything that looks too impossible. Anything that makes you go, wow. How's that? Who's ever done that? What You have to reserve some judgment for. Maybe it's not as real as you think. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not accusing him of taking PEDs. I'm not accusing him of being on HGH. It's quite possible that He had a great back surgeon who did a great job, nailed it just right, learned how to revamp his swing. He's been getting nine hours of sleep a night, eating skinless chicken, doing lots of yoga, stretching, all that good stuff. It's quite possible. But it's also possible that someday, one day we find out, oh, wow, wow. But even if we were to find out, 10 months, 10 years, whatever, down the road that maybe he was on something that helped him come back like this, there's going to be a discussion that has to be had of, well, so what? So what? Because he still had to put in the time to work on his swing, to put in the reps, to get back to where he once was. And those time and reps and buckets and buckets and buckets of balls, that can't you can't take away from that, no matter what. What if... It was found out somewhere a long time down the road. Yeah, he was on uh, some new uh, hydrogabuglobin. That was a combination of HGH and steroids, and it really helped firm up the back. And boy, oh boy, now who knows what other athletes going to use that in similar injuries. There will be a conversation to be had, an argument perhaps about, well, should that then be illegal? No need to have that argument right now because guess what? The PGA Tour does test for performance-enhancing drugs, and he has not tested positive. And so that's all you have to go on. That's all you have to say. It's a hell of a comeback. It's great for golf. It's super exciting. The Ryder Cup is going to be off the fucking hook. Tiger's a better person. Tiger 2.0 seems to appreciate it now. I'm happy for him. He gave that, that short little restaurant manager a big old hug and kiss and said, I love you, right after winning. Which tells you he's not necessarily into image anymore. He's he's found love and kinship with a woman that you would go, God, you're Tiger Woods. I know you're balding and all, but still. You can't you pull a hotter piece of ass than that? And the answer is, maybe he could, but he didn't want to. New Tiger. Playing like the old Tiger. What a story. Hashtag sports. Right? That's why we watch. All i right, I've, I've yammered on long enough. My God. Do we have a guest today? Oh, no, we didn't. It was just me. But I had a lot to talk about, and I didn't even get to college football today. We'll mop some of that up tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like, and tell three friends. Premium Zabe can be had at zavecom premium with another Football Five Ways coming up on Friday. Now get on out of here. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time.